Welcome back. This is the TKW Podcast. That's the Knicks Wall Podcast for first-time listeners. I'm your host, Mike Cortez. Joining me today on this glorious Saturday, Kyle Maggio, Sean Geddes, Eli Cohen. Guys, there's not much to say. Nine wins in a row. <laughs> they, they really, we have now recorded two episodes. They have not lost a game. Nine in a row. Three and oh this week. They just beat the Raptors. Sean, you tweeted the game. Just give us the rundown. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say that it feels amazing to have beaten the Raptors twice in like two weeks because the Raptors have been kicking the shit out of us for years. Um, so that first off is phenomenal. But um, it was just a really great game. I mean, offensively, we got a lot from a lot of different people. Julius Randle is all NBA. Um I don't, even, I don't I'm not even saying he should be all NBA anymore. Julius Randle is all NBA. There's no legitimate case against it. He just continues to like thrive every night. We're not even blinking at 30 point performances anymore. Like it's just another day in the office. Uh, Derek Rose has been huge for us and is doing it on a very consistent basis. He's creating offense for himself and others. He's creating offense for himself and others. And like, some of the passes he makes, even on shot attempts that don't end up going in, are just better for the offense. Like, the offense starts flowing better immediately when Derrick Rose enters the game. I have a lot of confidence in him when he's got the ball. I have a lot of confidence in his decision-making. R.J. Barrett is continues to be the epitome of a second half. Like, just resilient, you know? Not that he's not a first-half player, but if the first half doesn't go well, R.J. is never, like, you know, he's unflappable. So 25, 12 boards, and not just, like, you know, long rebounds that bounced out to a guard. Like, nah, he was on the boards today. He was getting up there and getting some really big rebounds and, like, snagging them down. It was beautiful to see. He was spacing the floor. Obi got going offensively, with knocked down three threes. Emmanuel quickly hit a couple. Um, Nerlens continued to be Nerlens. I think that we take – it's it, not that we take it for granted, but it's just, like, he does it on such a consistent basis. Like, he is just throwing shots away. I just – when if he's under the basket – I just have full confidence that nothing is going to be scored in the paint. Um, yeah, we struggled a bit when we, like, we slipped up in the third quarter. Uh, and, you know, for reasons that we're all accustomed to. And we were able to bounce back and the offense really took off from there. And we didn't, we didn't really look back. That was a beautiful thing. Like, the, Rocket, the Raptors stayed in it as they always do. They're just an annoying team. So they kind of stick around. And we haven't really blown teams out of the water this year. But to have the Raptors make their run and cut it to seven and for us to, you know, be like, nah, stay down there and win the game by 17, like, that's really beautiful. And I feel like that's a huge difference in how we've been closing teams out over this win streak. Yeah, it's crazy. I keep expecting, like, the classic Knicks, like, giving up a lead in the fourth quarter. Like, I feel like I'm conditioned at this point. Every time the other team starts making a little bit of a run in the fourth quarter, I'm like, ah, Shit, it's over. Okay, they're going to lose. And this year, they just managed to make the right plays. They make the plays they need to make. And it's 
like unbelievable. It's so refreshing to actually have a team that can hold leads. Like we've never had that. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, you know, when when I think about this team this year, um, I think about peace of mind is something that I've gotten from them for the first time, probably, you know, since 2012, 13, when we had a competent, good team. And um, I think that's important because it's like, you know, we we're just talking before we started recording, but like every time Julius throws up a shot now, I'm just, I assume it's going to go in. He's shooting like 50% from deep over his last six games. Like I just assume all these shots are going to go in because he's been so good this year. You know what I mean? And then even RJ, right? RJ stinks it up in the first half. And then, well, well, at this point, it was just, uh, you know, we used to say it, just us on the pod, you know, before, but everybody knows it now. You know, RJ stinks it up in the first, and then what does everyone say in the timeline? Okay, well, he's, a, he's wait for the second half. He's going to have a good second half, and what does he do? He comes out, has, has a good second half, finishes with, what, a, a, 20, a 2010 game, some assists. You know, I mean, this is this can now be expected. This can now be, you, you can reasonably expect these things every night. Randall's going to give you something like 25, 10, and, and 7 or 8 every single night. You know, RJ's going to come back, and now he's having these 20-point games, these big rebound games, assist games. So, you know, someone tweeted at me before the game, like, you know, oh, I, I've never seen Kyle so positive in my life. It's not, it's not even positive. It's, you play good basketball, you, you inspire good feeling this is what you get you get confidence among the fans because we can see that you're putting in effort you put in you know the work to get better right these guys improved and yeah now now we believe in it now we buy it because you see the impact of it you know i you guys weren't gonna what, what was there before we had horrendous losing streaks and disappointing rookies that we were drafting i mean i'm not going to be positive for no reason you give me a reason to be positive i'm gonna be positive so that's simple so that's what they've done in this winning streak. I mean, nine games is, is a lot of games. Uh, very, you know, five would have been great. Six would have been even better. And then we got to nine now. So the fact that we went, we're even talking about a double-digit win streak as we're coming upon the playoffs here, this is when you want to be clicking and firing on all c- cylinders. And mind you, we were supposed to have a very difficult schedule, they told us, to close out the season. We were told. We were told. And we still have the third-best defense, right? Uh I assume in some way, shape, or form, I keep seeing third for a number of ratings and, and rankings, right? So we're, we're still a top three, we'll say. The offense has been better for the most part, but that's also Alfred's playing a little bit less. Rosen quickly are coming on strongly here. Uh, Obi's been a lot better. Um, Reggie's been just an absolute sniper. Reggie and Randall's probably like my favorite subplot to this season. They're just, it's just... It's it's a skill to move without the ball the way Reggie Bullock does, and more so the way that he does it with Randall specifically, because you see those two are always like yin and yang. Like they're always together somewhere and moving around each other in some way, shape, or form. And it always works to a, a way that Reggie gets a little handoff. He doesn't even need a lot of space. I've learned that about him. You know, now that well, I like, got to see him be good, it just it's like a nice tight little shot. You give him a little bit of room, he comes up, hits the shot. It's just it's good basketball, good clean basketball, good clean looks. I, I really like it. Yeah, when you watch Randall like signal to Reggie at half court and you you know what's going to happen, you know, as soon as he crosses the line, they know what's going to happen and there's just nothing they can do to stop it because, you know, we forget with how nimble he is that Randall is fucking gigantic. Like that, and, you know, when Burks went down, they needed Bullock to step up so much and he has done everything they could possibly ask from him. Like, it's been amazing to watch him. Like, he's been good all year, like, started out kind of slow, but the way he's come on now when they really needed him is kind of inspiring. One thing I noticed, too, I don't know if you guys noticed it from today, the lucky bounces that usually happen against us 
are now falling for us because Obi had one that went all the way around and then mm-hmm. RJ to end it. And it just, I feel like all the oh, karma the from like one. the last eight years. The RJ one was great because that hit, that was the true meaning of a shooter's bounce. It literally just hit the front of the room. I was like, oh shit, that's off. And then rolled in. It was just like, that was like that perfect. movie, The Sixth Man, when he puts up the like game winning <laughs> shot and tells the ghost brother, like, no, let it go. <laughs> it's beautiful to see, man. And then Kyle, fourth, Knicks are actually fourth, but like you said, they're keeping it up. And Nerland's amazing. That block on Siakam was fantastic. I feel like every big run has been started with a Nerland's block on yeah. the other end. It just gets like, the energy going. What I like about his, like, Mitch used to like. I wouldn't say Mitch's warrant violent, right? But like Mitch would go up to catch the black. Like there was a spot that you always kind of know that Mitch is going to get the black in, right? He's really good about waiting till it's way up high, you know, height of its arc, and then he just grabs it, smacks it, spikes it, whatever. Right? Noel doesn't really do that, right? Have you noticed that it doesn't? Yeah. He doesn't have the, the the ability. But his are violent in a way where it's like he like punches it, like he always. He just knows where to be and position himself, and then it's just like a brick wall, and then like that's it, and then it's like this like violent pushback against it and it's just it's funny because they both block so many shots but just how differently the two of them block them but like i have a real appreciation for what uh noel has been able to do because it's been so frequent with those at at the rim lately like really right before the rim that like now it it really sticks out he really needs to add the mellow fuck out of here that's like the one thing that's missing like if he just adds that (laughs) I, i don't know i think he's gonna be a nick forever at that point but Nerland is interesting because he he gets off the ground like a little later than you'd expect him to, but he rises so quickly that he just like like it's it, you think he's gonna be late and foul him almost every time, and he's just out of nowhere. He's at the rim, and he's also so skinny that he kind of goes flying back too. So it's like this like impact of two like rocks smashing into each other and falling back, and and like you say, like it's different because Mitch would kind of meet it at the top, whereas. Like Noel times it so well with his just like get off the ground quickly, and it seems like he has a block of the year basically every game in this streak. That's really what it's feeling like, and yeah, his timing is impeccable. That's the thing that blows me away. Like he'll wait, he'll wait, he'll bait him. Guys really think they have it, and then all of a sudden it's gone and violently. Like Kyle said, he's just doing an amazing job. And as I keep saying, like I will never stop admitting, or not even admitting, I don't think I just said anything wrong. But I'm very loud about the fact that Reggie has changed my tune 100%. I'm no longer on any of the stuff I was saying about Reggie before, about how he was inconsistent. He's been huge. He stepped up even more in the absence of Burks. And the rapport that him and Randall have is wonderful. And he really is just great moving off the ball, even today. First of all, stop playing with Emmanuel quickly. But he made an excellent pass today. The cross-court pass to Reggie in the corner, that was such a beautiful dime. It was like... He got the ball. There was seven seconds on the shot clock. It was like, all right, Rook, it's on you for this possession. We'll let you do something now since we have nothing else. I think we need to have more possessions where he has the ball. Um, He's been doing a pretty good job creating. He's scoring really well. But uh, he got the screen from Noel on the complete opposite side of the court. He draws a lot of defensive attention, and he's good at, like, operating out of drawing that attention. He made a cross-court pass to Reggie Bullock that was, like, a room service dime. And Reggie, like, dove. He kind of dove to the corner right into it it was perfect the pass let him he met it there it's like that's that's communication i'm pretty sure that's something they work on a whole lot too it's just all of it it's it's beautiful man so yeah shout out to reggie bullock because he's been just shooting the lights out and it can't be said enough what he does for us defensively like every night he goes out there he's picking up the number one assignment and that's huge so shout out to reggie bullock shout out the bench mob man again tonight i mean rose was the only one with a big scoring night 
but OB plus 10 Gibson Taj has been fantastic by the way just like literally the quintessential vet that you need he's done everything they've needed from him so shout out to him plus 12 Rose plus 26 quickly plus 10 and it's just I feel like the starters unnecessarily start in the hole and the bench mob just has been really bailing them out and it's really showing now with Obi playing well and Hopefully, I don't know. I feel like Nor- Nor- Norvell Pell would be a good little addition eventually. They just locked him up for a multi-year deal. But the benchmark, man, I feel like that's been one of the biggest differences. It's also as Reggie, but benchmark, man. Yeah, I mean, the starters play like kind of medium pace. And then when you get quickly and Rose in there together, they're just constantly pushing and probing. And it just seems like the whole team kind of feeds off like the, the energy that they bring. It's not even like... That it's better but they just change the energy and all of a sudden the team kind of clicks in a different way and it seems to throw off the other teams too it's, it's been great to watch yeah uh one thing i want to ask you guys quickly before we shift gears here is uh this this topic came up i, I think either in slack or tkw slack or i've seen it floating around in the timeline a little bit i mean aside from number six uh is who is is that the only thing right that you would you guys would really want different from next season? Cause it's like, yeah. I, I'm sort of of the mind where uh, I I would like most of these guys back, right? Like I would want Reggie back for sure. Like first of that, that would be like my first role player priority, right? Like I, I, I would have to have Reggie back the way he's been with Randall almost certainly. And then it's like, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I, mind Burks. I wouldn't mind Burks. I wouldn't mind Burks back. Right. I, I certainly wouldn't mind Noel back, but I'm going to, I, I think that's going to be more or less the depending what happens with Mitch. I feel, I don't know if we're going to keep both those guys forever, yeah. but I feel like w- one of those guys is going to be here for a couple of years after this year. So I don't know, but I feel like, you know, Noel should or could be back for sure. Right. Like I would love him back Rose. I think you got to, why wouldn't you? He fits with the Tibbs system, obviously. Right. A, a defensively too. Defensively, especially. He's everything. been a plus defender here right now since he's been uh, on this tenure anyway, which is wild because the last tenure, that was the big issue was he was giving you 18, five and five, but a total nothing on defense. And now, I mean, I'm seeing him get, uh, what, what's the new, the new uh, hipster word for this stonks that the steals and blocks. I'm seeing him get like little deflections and things like this all the time, little tip passes or shots. And you know, that's, it's encouraging, especially, you know, he's, he's already playing a reserve role and he's still, you know, he's putting even more effort in now. So I'd like Rose back for sure. Um, I, I don't know that I change much, man. I, I think you just, you drop Alfred yeah. and hopefully get a, a big, t- big time kind of guard replacement or just simply start quickly, bring Rose off the bench and then just, you know, maybe grab somebody on the wing, get some more shooting. But yeah, I, there's not a ton that I would change with, with seeing like Tib's system and, and how it could work. And I, I kind of buy them being a playoff contender for a few years, but you know, I just think that's like the one obvious upgrade. I don't know that I would change much else. What about you guys? I think that's what you're missing. I think they should still go big and try and get a dynamic scoring wing. Like everyone's piping uh, a early Clippers exit just because it seems most predictable. Because I think Kawhi, you slide someone like Kawhi into that starting lineup. That's that answers all the questions. I would still keep Reggie. I think Reggie would be a great benchmark person on a really good Knicks team. And then, like you said, Alfred. I mean, it's not to shit on him but we saw it today today was perfect evidence when he was in that was when the team was at its worst and it's nothing against him personally it's just the way he plays so i think if you just substitute him with 
even someone that plays like Rose doesn't even have to be Rose himself. You could still keep quickly in Rose. But they just need someone that's just more of a threat. We saw today, the Raptors, they were doubling Julius pretty heavily, consistently, and they did it with RJ too. And that's going to be the norm in the postseason because Randall's going to flamethrow regardless. And if there's no one else that's much of a threat, all four people aren't a threat, the half court's going to get really ugly. And I think that's what we have to look for moving forward this year and beyond. Like, I'm only saying it because you brought it up. I don't want to harp on it. But Julius shot one of his threes today literally over a double team because Siakam was on him and Elfer went to the corner and Fred Van Vliet didn't care. He just blitzed Randall and Randall shot over the double team and cashed it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we definitely, you know, need to address that. Um, or, like we said, just start IQ, bring Rose off the bench. I... I would love to have Emmanuel quickly be this team's starting point guard. I just would love to have the ball in his hands. I would love that now. I would love that next year. Either way, but we definitely can't go back with an elf type uh, person. I would love to have a you know premier scoring wing. Like I would love a Kawhi Leonard. Um, if you know the but who wouldn't love Kawhi Leonard on their team if the Clippers lose? So that's not really much of a take. I, if that happens, that changes everything. But um, definitely, definitely we'll bring Reggie back. I think what gets confusing about things like that, though, is, you know, we got these guys on one-year prove-it deals, you know, or Reggie was on a, a, a real bargain because of the neck injury. Alec Burks is one-year, $6 million. Nerlens Noel is one-year, $5 million or $6 million. Like, you're not getting Nerlens Noel for one-year, $5 million again, not after this season. Like, he's putting up damn near defensive player to your numbers. People see this. Reggie's shooting 40% on a playoff team and playing great defense, like the price tags are going to go up. So really, and you know, it's not going to be one year deals anymore. So at that point, do you really want to, you know, you're in a good position as a franchise. And I hate to say this right now because the team is doing so well. I don't want to sound like I'm trying to break the team up or anything like that, but you also have to remain a little bit realistic and just know that you're in a good position as a franchise and you can't necessarily push all of your chips into bringing certain guys back because their price tags will be higher. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that. And, you know, we've watched sort of the talent pool in the 2021 free agency get smaller and smaller in terms of people who can really change, like, the direction of a franchise, like, in terms of, you know, superstars and things like that. Like, obviously, there is the Kawhi factor. I still have, I've always believed that if he leaves the Clippers, he's going to go to Miami, but I would love for him to come to New York. That would be amazing. Um, but I think that, yeah, Sean made a good point, and I'm actually working on a piece for the site right now that's going to be about Nerlens and his play and how he's probably pricing himself out of a long-term deal with the Knicks if they decide to keep Mitch because, you know, people are going to notice what he's done this year. And, it, you know, he can have a game like like today where he scores zero points, and it doesn't matter. I think he, he had a couple free throws at the end, maybe that one free throw, but... It just doesn't matter. He's a positive every single second he's out there because he's working so hard. Like, it doesn't matter that he can't catch a pass or, you know, make a short roll pass. He is just impacting every single game. And I think that, you know, I would love to bring back Burks. I think the ideal would be you lose Elf and, you know, you get at least one of these picks that you have this year to make an impact off the bench. I would be fine with starting Rose and having him play like 20 minutes a night and have quickly be like the sixth man or the other way around. Like, I, I think they have a lot of options, but I'd, yeah, I don't think there's any reason right now to rush it. The only thing 
that I worry about is like, this is definitely a team that has the potential for a little regression. Like they're basically like outplaying every expectation you could possibly have. And while I think that a lot of it is sustainable, like there is the concern that, you know, you, you do want to upgrade because if you're not upgrading, you know, in the NBA, you're downgrading. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see. They have so much cap space. They have so many different directions. They've got the Mitchell Robinson's free agency, Julius Randle's extension. Like they have a lot of things that they have to take care of this year. It's going to be really fascinating. Yeah. I think you could get, you could pick and choose your spots. Like for Bullock, I mean, I know Kawhi's a dream, but I like Gary Trent Jr. If we can get him, someone like that, to be your starting small forward, maybe you keep Nerlens on a loaded two-year deal, maybe because Mitch, I still like long term, but you know he's coming back from a he's going to come back from a fractured foot, hopefully this year, but not looking likely. So I feel like that I feel like Noel would be the guy I'm most focused on bringing back if I had to pick and choose. I mean, Elf's obviously throwing out Burks. He should stay, but I could understand them replacing him with another good scorer. Yeah, like I, I, I would like to bring Nerlens back. I mean, it's not. I don't see a better backup center option, especially you know, Mick Mitch has the foot issue or whatever. So you got to make sure you have insurance for that. So like, I'm willing to pay more to bring Nerlens back because there's not somebody out there who I would want over what Nerlens does. But as far as like. You know, when you, like, because you got to look at it. You, there's a, we have a lot of cap space, so, you know, there could be the Gary Trents of the world or the Lonzo's or whatever. We have a lot of cap space, and then beyond that, we have two first-round picks. So it's like, what are we what are we doing? What's the direction of the franchise? Like, we have a lot of availability to move forward. So it's like, if we get, you know, or let's say we package those two first-round picks and we move them up for one, like I would like to do. I don't want to have... I don't think we have room for two new rookies. We barely play Obi. So... Package those picks, we move up, we get a pretty good wing. Let's say James Boonight or whatever, whoever it is. Do you want him to come in and not play any minutes because you gave Alec Burks three years, $36 million? Yeah, see, like, I'm in the same camp. I'm in the same exact camp as that. Just because, I mean, I don't, I don't not appreciate what Burks is doing, but I also realize at some point you're going to want to have quickly graduate into that spark plug role that Burks has played, and he's been clutch for us this whole year, but, you know, it's – that's like the part, the tough part that they have to deal with now where you kind of have to pick and choose your spots because all those draft picks, like you said, they cannot play. And I think OB next year is also going to be a much better score. We're already seeing it right now. So I think you got to focus more on the wing and guards and guys that could score. Or package the picks and make a trade or something. But yeah, like I don't think that I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to lock in Reggie and Alec Burks for three to four years and pay them the inflated price tag and then lock in Nerlens Noel to be running this team back for the next three years. Like, not I love this team. Don't get me wrong. I love what we're doing. I love what we're accomplishing. But, you know, I would like to see what our... I, I at least want to keep some of those options open, so... Everything's coming up next. Last couple of weeks, um, you know, I see a lot of, a lot of good receipts that we're pulling. You know, for a lot of deserving people, um, but we're also getting a lot of good press in general. And I, I think 
folks got to embrace that a little bit because, you know, Woj just had on Julius Randle on his pod and good time for it. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing I'll start on was, you know, Randle had a quote in there saying basically the Knicks, the new front office, Leon Rose, World Wide West, Kenny Payne, Tibbs, all these guys that came in basically, um, you know, and he kind of explains how, you know, he had a heart to heart last year or whatever about the direction of, you know, his career with this team and this team in general and uh, sort of how they, they, you know, really took action after that to try to build, you know, fix things a little bit in the short term for him. And uh, it's obviously paying off. And, you know, basically he just spoke very highly of the Knicks in general and of that. But um, there was a lot of things that were said on that, that pod anyway. uh, It was a good interview all around, but um, any of you guys listen to it, you know, anything stick out to you guys offhand uh, besides that, because I, I thought there was a lot of, you know, every time Julius has spoken so far, whether it's been the Players' Tribune article or the J.J. Reddick podcast, uh, Old Man and the Three, uh, or this one here, it seems like he's got a lot of, like, really, like, some gems, usually, that he comes with. So, uh, anything that really stuck out to you guys? Yeah, the, for me, the bonuses, I didn't know that. So, for those who didn't get to listen yet, check it out. But he put in two bonuses that really stuck out to me because of the time he joined the team and who he joined the team with. One was to make the all-star team. You could cash that check. And then the other was to make the playoffs. So just that just showed me what mentality he was bringing, which was huge for me because I didn't know how he would feel coming in, especially after you miss out on Durant and Kyrie. I can't remember. This is the happiest we've been. I want to say July 2019. That was probably the angriest. We have been just because we were so close to landing a big name and we ended up signing a big name, but at the time it kind of felt like a consolation prize. So for him to kind of challenge himself right off the jump, because that was, those are two pretty quantum leaps from where the Knicks were when he signed. So that really stuck out to me that, Hey, I'm here. I'm going to go balls to the wall. And then the other stuff was the Kobe mention. He, Kobe really had an impact on him. And I kind of know he was his idol coming into that because I remember when he got drafted, I was a big Kentucky fan. So I was aware of Kobe's influence on him, but then to him talk about how it's translated to his work ethic and just how he's in general, it, that that's it really hit home for me. Yeah. Like the Kobe thing really hit home. Um, especially when he spoke on like, you know, what it would be like if Kobe were able to be at some of the games. And I thought about like Kobe being able to watch Randall step into this season of his, um, and also, like you said about the bonuses, uh, you know, a million dollar bonus for making the playoffs. But it's crazy because even when we miss and Woj asked him about how it felt coming into that role, like knowing, you know, he said that his agent told him, like, you know, they're going to be upset. Like they just missed out on. So, you know, he understood that. And I think that makes it even cooler, like to understand, OK, like they wanted this. They got that. He took everything on the chin. He took the first year on the chin. He he owned up for it and took accountability and came back and improved and got us to where when we signed Julius, I was happy. I was one of the first people telling people, I was like, guys, Julius Randle is good at basketball. Like he's going to, I thought he, I was telling my friends he could have an all-star season. He could be 20 and 10. I was like, he's improved every year. He shot 37% from three last year with the Pelicans. If he were able to be a 38 to 40% three point shooter, he could do this, this and that blah 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 we could possibly be a playoff team i looked crazy but like those i'm glad that he like had the mentality or whatever and of course he did he's the actual player but i'm glad that he had that same mindset and like to see it happen so quickly like in year two to see things slip like that and as eli pointed out earlier he's he's the same age as Giannis. like julius is not 
some capped out guy who like this is what he is like he's somebody who's improved every season made a huge improvement this year and he it's like you hear in everything he says like you said Kyle like whether it's the old man in three pod whether it's the players tribune whether it's the post game interviews honestly it's just about work it's just about work and wanting to improve and wanting to be better and you know okay I'm here now cool but like how can I get better from here and I think that's really dope I think that's a great guy to have to build your team around. I think that's a great leader to have. Like that's a great person that as a young player, you look and you see that guy who's getting MVP chance and he's working like he's on the edge of the bench. Like it just raises the standards. So that that's huge. And also, like you said, Kyle, people, we do need to like, okay, we're pulling the receipts. You family, we've had that. We, we got to get that off. There's some people we should always put with like, Michael Rappahore is forever outside of the fan base. Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang's out of the circle of trust. I don't care if he wins. You're out of there forever. But like we, we can let Woj put Knicks on his podcast. Like that's what happens when you're a good team and you're in your mainstream market. Like we have to, we can't push back on the acknowledgement. We can, at points, you know, there, there was, we were horrible. So when you're a big story, and you're a dumpster fire, you're going to be covered like a dumpster fire. Did they go overboard sometimes? Yeah, sure. But it's just the natural understanding of things. Now we're a big story and it's a great story. So allow them to tell the great story. They told the dumpster fire for years. So <laughs> we have to embrace the good story. You know, the Walsh pod, Zach Lowe was talking, giving us props on his pod. Like, that's great. And those are things that help the players. Like Bill Simmons, who I'm not very fond of his takes normally, <laughs> but for him to come out and make all that, I didn't listen to it. But for him to come out and say all those positive things about Randall and like in support of him, like that, that's big. And those things go a long way in the votes when it comes down to the, it's a lot of these things are narratives. So it's like, if his, if the narrative starts to reflect his play, we have to allow it to do that. One thing I think that doesn't get talked about enough with the whole Randall thing. And I think like, especially re- like the, the thing about the meeting last season with everyone that Kyle, you talked about. And like, I, I really feel like Randall is a genuinely super interesting person in terms of his NBA career up until this point. Cause like, you know, we all know he was a high pick and he got hurt, but like losing that first year was huge for him. And then, you know, he, he spent the next two years getting back on track. And by the end of his time with the Lakers, he was playing really good basketball. He was becoming a really good young player. And then LeBron comes and they don't re-sign him. He ends up, like, I'm sure he thought at some point that he was going to get that first really big contract. And he ends up signing in New Orleans for, like, this tiny amount, right? At, like, 24 after being a top 10 pick. Like, that's huge. And then in New Orleans, he was behind Anthony Davis. They got DeMarcus Cousins. They just had so many good guys that he was coming off the bench. And so, like, I really think that in some ways he was just like, like, fuck it. I got to start, like, just I'm going to score as much as I can. I'm going to get a big contract. And he got, he scored as much as he could. He got the big contract. And when he came that first year, like, you know, I, I was as tough on him as anyone. And like, but you could see, see that kind of pressing of like, okay, well now I'm the guy, I got the contract. So now I got to be that guy. And it was like, you know, maybe it was a little too much for him that first year. And now he's got the security. He's got sort of like, he's gaining back that reputation that he always feels like he probably thought he deserved. And like, and I think that that's where that leadership comes from is like, he does not have the path of a normal, you know, top 10 pick who turns into a star. Like he has seen sort of like those bottom rungs where it's like, I'm sure he had questions about like where his place was in the league. And I think that that has turned him into a better leader and a better player. And it's like, 
he's finally able to stop just like gunning because he's like he's he's able to stop fighting for his NBA life and to like prove his point, and he's able to just play basketball. And like we're seeing him, like he's just like he's confident and he's collected and he's not he like genuinely is usually in control, which was like the biggest thing last year with him just getting out of control all the time. He's in control now, and like he realizes he's one of the most like the intersection of size and skill is like one of the best in the league. And I, I really think that that journey has sort of turned him into this guy who we're seeing now, which is just like, it's really cool that that's happening on the Knicks. And in a way, like after all their years of like this, just like dumb, hopeless star chasing, the fact that it came in this way of like these guys who've been sort of like cast off, RJ was like slept on and, you know, hated on for his rookie year. And like, it, it's, it's very Knicksy that like, this is the squad that's like taking us back to the playoffs. Like, I love that. No, I was going to say, you know, um, Julius Randle's the most confident player in the NBA right now. And I think that's, I think it's well-earned because, you know, he, he could, he can obviously tell the 180 Knicks fans have largely done on him from last year to this year. You know what I mean? And you see it even in the post-game interviews when he's talking to, you know, thousand fans, 2000 fans, whatever they're letting in for every game. And it's like, you know, he's just excited to be able to like, sort of communicate that and reciprocate that. Like I, I now wonder like you guys have now been good to me. I, I've been good to you. Like now we're on the right foot together. Like now we've gotten off to the start that we wanted to get off to. And it seems like it was a very, it just looks like there's a mutual respect there. You know what I mean? It just, it seems like he's very enthused to be here and he's energized by what's happening. And it's like, yeah, you want that. You want that obviously. And we, we would have taken it any number of ways. People wanted to tank and hope one of these kids was going to pan out big time. It looks like RJ might now, right? But it's like, it seems like it's never the easy path with the Knicks. We never just got like the easy break, the easy bounce. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it is nice that, you know what? We did still have a budding young talent, sort of, in Julius Randle. I mean, it's a little bit later on, but like, he had to find his place, find his footing, find a coach that worked for him. You know, fit is important. Fits everything with players a lot of the times, especially young guys trying to find their place. So... It, it worked out with Tibbs, thankfully. They fit they fit excellent together. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just really, it's good to see. It's just really good to see. And it's good to have a guy who works hard. That's all that, you know, people have always wanted here was just effort. We didn't care how the basketball looked, you know, just got to figure it out and play good basketball. That's what he did. Couldn't figure it out as, as well last year. Took some time off, whatever, COVID, everything else. He worked really hard and. You know, it's it's nice. That that's a guy you want to go to bat with. That's a guy you want them to keep, you know, and uh you want to build with. So he's still only what, twenty six? Like twenty six. Not for nothing, but like the next couple of years or if this is what, what twenty six is and he just figured this out. Even if you don't think the forty one, forty two percent shooting's gonna hold all, all those years, because I would understand that. That's a it's a high mark for anybody to maintain over like four or five straight years. But like you got to assume most of it's real, right? So, like, I, I mean, at first, when we were talking the extension, 4106, four years, 106 million, right? At first, we're like, yeah, absolutely. Even even a little bit more, absolutely. But, like, we weren't really sure where the, the ceiling would be. I, I don't I don't know that I have a ceiling at this point. I think you just throw all the money at him, man. I think it's going to be max or close. And I think, why not? Why not lock that in? Why wouldn't you? Well, what are you saving money for? I don't think there's that many players available next year that are going to be better than the value he's given you now. 
And if anything, you should be looking for like a Lowry, throw a bunch of money at somebody, one or two year deals to, ex- you know, accent what he's doing, you know, accentuate that a bit. But not, not, I, don't, I don't see any reason not to pay like a pretty penny for him. And to me, just like that deal they did for uh, Jared Harper and uh, Miles Powell, it's the same vein. Like you got to start taking care, like really taking care of these players that are here. And that's going to send messages to the rest of the league. You show you're trying to get these G League guys paid a little bit more. You know, the last time I remember a story about something like that happening, I'm sure these deals happen with lots of teams, but like I remember the Nets did that. That was a part of why people wanted the, the Knicks to kind of, you know, replicate that a bit. Because it's a nice gesture. It's easy. Teams have lots of money. You can do this. It's not that difficult to just offer a roster spot, pay a little bit of extra money, help these guys out. You know, it goes a long way. Now, Randall's going to get paid. You could offer him 4106, but maybe just offer him a lot more money and make him feel good. You feel good. You you are below the cat floor. Spend the money. Lock him in. Everyone feels good at the end of the day. It's a great NBA story in general. We all go home happy. Sometimes it's that simple. And I think for once, I want to knock on wood here, but I think for once, that's how it's going to go. I don't know if he's going to get a true max, but it's going to be a lot and it's going to be deserved. Yeah, can you not feel more confident in, even if the, you're not buying the full stats that he's putting out every night right now, you're at least going to buy the work. Like, he, you know he's going to work his ass off to stay at that level or even supersede that that level. So that's another part of it that it's not talked about enough. He actually wants to be here. And he even said on the pod, he's like, he experienced L.A., he experienced the polar opposite in New Orleans. He knows this is the type of market he wants to thrive in. He knows... He wants to be part of building something. And I feel like it's a perfect storm for the Knicks. And it's also further proof of the kind of media attention you get if you start playing just a little good. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg with Julius, I think. I think this is the beginning of his prime years. And his shooting, Kyle, I remember you said, you know, know, if you could buy 41%, he just started really adding his outside shot in New Orleans. So he's also just getting into that part of his game too. So I really, I know this is going to be a little recency bias, but I think the sky's the limit right now with him at the center of it. And even Thibodeau said after the game today, the leadership and just the whole way the team has been, he said Randall's effect on that leadership is on par with Ewing in the 90s. And Thibodeau was on those benches, so it's not just empty praise. So I think that's something people should take a look at because I know they say Julius Randle max contract whoa that's not the type of name you usually attach with that similar to with the MVP voting right now because Julius Randle is a top five candidate for MVP right now and he's just not being listed at that with the smaller outlets I don't know Jalen Rose correctly had it but you know you know what I'm trying to say where I feel like this is the guy right now yeah like the name the name doesn't carry the weight and it's because people aren't used to it and you say it's recency bias, but I think it's just correctly evaluating basketball. Like, he's improved every year, like you said, from the Lakers situation to the Pelican situation. He's here. He's 26 years old as Eli. He's, he's 26 years old, as Eli pointed out. Like, same age as Giannis. Like, he can continue to improve. He works really hard. So, it's like, I think that 40% is where he'll be at. Like, I don't really see him going back below 40% for the rest of his career. Not that he's guaranteed to get it every year, but I think he'll be up upper 30s. Like, I don't think he's going to have this season and then go back to shooting 32% from three. Like, and I don't even think it would be good analysis to say that that could happen. Like, I don't understand why people would, you know, I think that you got, you got to really look at it. Like, sometimes I look and I'm like, okay, three years from now, like 23-year-old RJ, like 29-year-old Julius, like, is just a better version of the Julius we have right now. 
And yeah, you, you pay that guy. Like I asked my Laker fan friend, he got mad, but I said it in my group chat with my friends because I was thinking about it. And I was just like, you know, if you would detach names from anything, you just look at the impact he's having, what he's doing, the numbers he's putting up. I was like, has Anthony Davis ever had a season like Julius Randle is having? And my friend sent me back a picture of Anthony Davis holding his ring because he's a Lakers fan. And I was like, all right, nah, but like, I'm not even talking. I'm not saying Anthony Davis isn't great. I'm not saying the Lakers aren't great. It's just like, as if, if this was somebody else doing what he's doing right now and leading, like, you know, besides the fact that it's the Knicks, but when you add that too, like the team that wasn't expected to do anything, projected for 22 wins, where you know, this is, he's having an MVP season. Like, this is an amazing season. It's not just like, you know, I feel like in some people's eyes and even in some Knicks fans and not even in a negative way, it's just that it's tough to flip the narrative on something that quickly. But a lot of people see this as, you know, high level role player exceeding expectations in an outlier year, in a contract year or whatever. Like, that's not what this is. Like, Julius Randle is a star. Julius Randle is one of the biggest stars in the NBA. Any other team would max him right now. So, like pay Julius Randle and then find him another st- and and yeah like pay Julius Randle pay him all, whatever he, he he's earned it he deserves it and the fact that he wanted to be here like that just plays into it even better like he came here at a time where we at one of the lowest times where we thought we had something didn't get it and he wanted to be here he wanted to build something he told us that from the jump you know like he's just he's done everything right about being a Nick and just one more point uh, I- on the shooting though He's doing this, and RJ, same point goes for RJ. They're doing this with pretty poor spacing still. So this is still, that's why I still am bullish on both of them having a good outside shot, because they're doing this, playing with a lot of minutes next to a point guard that can't shoot and a rim runner at center. So if anyone is feeling a little, eh, I don't know if they're going to keep this up, take that into account as well. Not, not only that, Mike, but it was something I said on Halftime Hopefuls today, because it was just like, wow. In the beginning of the season when Julius was shooting 40%, it was like, oh, okay, he's shooting 40%, but it was those, like, kickouts, like, pick and pops, okay, nobody closed out because he shot 27% last year, he's wide open, he's knocking it down, cool. And then even with that, it fluctuated a little bit. There was a point where he wasn't hitting those either. Like, we're at the point now where Julius is going off the dribble and shooting, like, sidestep stepbacks. Like, there's this different type of, and it's higher volume now. Like, he was 6 for 8 the other night, and he's 5 for 7 today, like, it's no longer like, okay, he shoots 40%, but he's shooting like a big man 40%. Like, no, he's shooting 40%. Like, any kind of, the same kind of threes that Damian Lillard is taking. Not the same range, but the same kind of threes of, okay, I'm off the dribble, like, I'm sizing you up, and I'm pulling this in your face. Like, and he's still shooting 40%. So, yeah, man, sky's the limit. I think it's pretty wild. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think the summer is very simple. I think it's just pay, pay Julius, re-sign Reggie, a couple of the other guys if you can't. Throw a bunch of money at Kyle Lowry, hope for the best. Like, wh- whoever the best couple of, like, point guards are that you want to replace Elf, if you're going to keep. I, I, I don't want to just assume what I would do. Any, you know, I would just start quickly or and then have Rose off the bench. But I assume that they're going to want to sign somebody else. But, like, signing another perimeter guy would be fine, even if it was you know, at the expense of the other two. You know what I mean? Like, if you get a real, like a really high-level talent, like, who cares, man? That's more weapons at this point. This team's really good right now, as currently constructed. So if they had a better starter, they might be a, a top three or two seat. You know, I mean, they're only a couple games behind. It's not ridiculous to say if they had a, a, a real option starting every game with those guys coming off the bench right now quickly in rows. I mean, they could, they could be really doing some damage. And that's really all that you need with RJ, or with Randall, if RJ's going to be a legit, like, you know, near all-star level talent on the wing soon. Like, 
what, what else? You don't need to reach for anything, right? You got some. You got a bunch of shooting coming off the bench. You got those guys. All you really need is another top perimeter threat, whether it's a, like a, a guard or two guards, something like that. You'd be fine for the. Mo- that's just how I feel. Like that's that's why I'm so bullish on the summer. Just pay your guys and then chuck a bunch of money at one dude and call it a day. Yeah, I mean, talking about RJ, I think like it's pretty amazing that we've gotten to a point where he puts up 25, 12, and four. And we're just like, yeah, you know, RJ had a good game, solid second half. It's like, it's not even a big, we're not even victory lapping because at this point we just expect this kind of work from him. Like he has gotten to a point where we just never have to worry about him. He, like I, I was watching the game. I was like, yeah, RJ's having a pretty good game. And then the stats came up. I was like, oh yeah, I guess he had a good game. But like for RJ, I feel like at this point, like that is just sort of like, it's definitely a good game, but it's still more the standard. It's more of hit. Like he has so much that he can still tap into and like become like more engaged in like not engaged in the offense, but involved in the offense. And so for him to be able to just like come out there, have a solid game, put up 25, 12 and four at you know age 20 on, you know, 15 shots. Like the, these two guys have had the seasons that you like, you couldn't possibly hope for anything better from them. There's nothing more they could show you that they haven't shown you at this point. We undersold RJ, man. I, I said it on the, the, the last part of the pod before, I, I can't believe how grossly bullish, you know, especially Sean, Mike, and me have been on RJ. And I still feel like now watching him game to game and the, the, the real strides he's been taking offensively, even just in terms of scoring more, which everybody loves to tell me isn't uh, an important thing. It's got to be all these other things that he was already doing, but simply scoring more. And you're looking at me like, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, I used to think like 20 points was probably going to be a ceiling in 2022. And now it's like, 25, 27. I mean, he's getting to the line. He's hitting threes. So, you know, drawing a lot of contact, knows how to use his body, finishing at the rim. It's like, yeah, man, I, I, maybe I was wrong about RJ too, despite being right about RJ. That's a strange, strange feeling. <laughs> like it's, it's a, it's a great feeling, man. Like this is all you want is, is to get good homegrown talent that you hit it like a, a grand slam on, not just a home run. Like that, that's, that, this is the feeling that it should like we should have gotten at least an, another time, you know. So it, it's good to see that it's working out. Um, I it, it's it's the biggest thing. You could you could sign a Randall and get lucky sometimes. You get a good free agent, but like, you know, like you said, both of those guys having, you know, both the seasons that you would dream of simultaneously at this stage in their careers is like, you you really couldn't draw it up any better than that. Especially when people were questioning their fit last season with with the spacing aside just the two of them and their skill sets people are like i don't i don't know i mean maybe but it's kind of weird you need a lot of shooting around them then they both started shooting themselves and then it made things easier and then it's like let's just let's just see what happens RJ's finding some ang- rj's really finding some angles at the rim that i'm just like how like he had one today where he got underneath i was like oh he's too far underneath the hoop and he kind of like spun it in i was like what the fuck? So like, if that's just year two, I think I think shooting touch at the rim is that last piece because I think the rest of his games pretty viable. So I think once he gets that touch at the rim, I think twenty five is a good ceiling for him. Once he gets that touch at the rim, and once he starts getting calls, my oh goodness. my god, ridiculous! <laughs> I don't get it. I, do I don't know. I guess maybe refs just have this initiation phase. Where they don't give you calls for a while, then eventually, that once they see that you're about it, they're like, "All right, I'm gonna start blowing the whistle a little more." Because RJ Randall I feel too. Like once he gets a good, once he gets a good playoff series in, mm-hmm. I think that's 
I think playoffs change my change a lot of narratives. Once he gets a good playoff series in, he'll start getting looked at differently. He'll start getting some calls. But yeah, like RJ, you know, we're in year two. He's twenty years old, and what we're there. What's our record now? We're seven games over five. Thirty-four and twenty-seven, if I'm not mistaken. Thirty-four and twenty-seven. So there's what eleven games left. So today was game sixty-one, and we were seeing things from RJ we haven't seen yet. Like I, there that move he made where he like uh, split the trap real quick and jabbed through real quickly and got to the basket and hung in the air and brought it under like you're talking about. Yeah. I was like, who the hell is this? I was like, oh, <laughs> was, that looked. I was like, whoa, this dude is different. Like, oh my! And then he had another one where uh, the dude was—I I don't remember dude's name—but RJ's eyes were lighting up whenever he got matched up with him, and he was calling for the ISOs. And he hit him with like the little hesitation and the crossover in the lane and just finished with the right hand. I was like, yo, what the hell is going on, RJ? Like, so to be in game 61 of year two and to be seeing things we haven't seen yet, like he just keeps improving like on a nightly basis. And it's only year two, man. Yeah, RJ is special. He's very special. I mean, even when his, he misses, upside down, it's a nine now. Even when he misses, like he had that one little step back move and he airballed it and he airballed it like badly. It was. He missed by like a foot, but still like that was probably one of the best space creation moves I've seen from him on a jump shot. And like one of the smoothest, like transfers up to the fadeaway. Like he usually looks a little bit stiff when he comes in and like misses to the left. But there was this, like, I'd never seen him create so much space on a step back, like off the dribble. And I was like, that's a move that, you know, one summer of work, he can get that in the bag. And that's just like four more points every night. And like that, it's the same exact thing that Sean's saying. It's just like to see that growth in the middle of the season in year two is huge. Like I think he can iron out both the finishing and like the little space creation jab steps in the mid range. Like that's low hanging fruit. And that's like, you know, eight points every game, you know, that he can just add to the scoring tally. No, yeah, the last thing I'm going to say on RJ is I, I actually don't mind the way he gets refed right now. I understand this is controversial, but he's much stronger than a lot of the younger players are. So I think the refs, the refs have a, have a strong NBA player problem when they ref. This is not specific to RJ. This is a mellow thing, a Dwight thing, a Shaq thing. Like, not that they're, they're all equal, I mean, relative to their positions and being strong and, and the way that they get hit. I think a lot of times when guys are strong like this and big like this and they like contact, it, the refs genuinely, like, don't know sometimes. It's their jobs to know, for sure. But I think it's harder for them to know because they don't react as much. Like, RJ's trying to power through stuff, really lean into guys, hit guys. So I think some of that contact, they're like, well, he may be initiated or I don't know, like, I think they're still trying to figure it out with him. So I don't hate it yet, especially when he's hitting his free throws well and, you know, genuinely trying to, like, himself figure out how to draw fouls on the contact and, and get to the line while also trying to figure out when, when he should do that, when he should just try to be crafty and finish through it. So I don't hate it yet is sort of my take. Like, it, it gives me shades of the mellow stuff sometimes because he does get hit pretty hard. But, like... I'm trying to be reasonable here too, because there are some times when he just really lays into guys, like really comes in hard charging and, and not really throw. He doesn't, he does a good job of like not extending a lot, but like, he's always like sort of almost shoulder leaning in to kind of start everything, kind of begin that sort of like train roll into people. So I, I, I try not to complain too much with him. Randall's the one that like, I feel like Randall gets mauled sometimes because he's getting double teamed. And then like, and at that point they're just like smacking it and trying to like stop him. Like, he's the one I complained about more. RJ, I feel like next season is when I'll actually probably start complaining about it. 
Yeah, RJ's triceps got triceps. It's pretty crazy. So I understand why a ref would be like, dude, you could take the contact, relax. But it's fun times, man. It's really fun times. I mean, we have 11 games left. Where do you guys have you guys settled on where you think they'll finish? Because I'm pretty confident the playing games pretty much, I want to say close, it's almost in that rearview mirror, right? Like, that's safe to say. So, yeah. I'm starting to think more towards matchups, and I know Philly, Embiid sitting tonight, recording this on Saturday, Embiid sitting tonight, so now we can start thinking about, like, matches. I don't know. I feel like Philly's trying to set up for us. I think we get four or five. I, I like. I, I'm really bullish about four or five. I, I think we get four, and I hope I, I it's unfortunate that Philly's sitting in B because I want them to get one so that we see them in the second round rather than Brooklyn. Yeah, I believe Milwaukee's close to solidifying top three status. So I think four would be like the new, you know, first place of the outside the top, top of the East. But I mean, that's a fun conversation I did not expect to have even five months ago, let alone 10 months ago. So fun times. Um, Eli, I know you said you had an article coming up. What's you want to plug that real yeah, quick? It's going to be uh, talking about Noel, how well he's been playing, and whether or not it's going to be pricing the Knicks out of both of him and Mitch moving forward. Yeah, and you know what's really funny? I just on Twitter, this is all anecdotals. It's not. I'm sure how everyone feels. People kind of forgot how good Mitch was just because Noel has been that dynamic, mm-hmm. which is like pretty interesting. So. Noel's been fantastic, but um, Sean, you got anything coming up people should be on the lookout for? Uh, once again, just subscribe to the YouTube. You know, we go up post-game prosperity every single time, and it's literally been post-game prosperity every single time. Don's been snapping on the graphics, and we got this streak going, so subscribe to the YouTube, and the RJ Barrett song is coming out eventually. Now be on the lookout for that, and shout out producer Don, man. He's killing it. Pods, videos, literally anything we throw at him, he's handling, so shout out to Dom. Kyle, anything people should be on the lookout for? Uh, no, man. Just subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Make sure you give us a nice rating and review. Helps us keep doing what we do here. But um, uh, mostly just let's uh, let's hope for 10 wins. That's all I got. You know, let's keep the vibes going. Good things happening right now. Good time to stay hot. So hopefully they keep it going through the playoffs. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. 10 wins. We'll go for 10 wins on Monday night against Chris Paul, Devin Booker, future Nick and the Phoenix Suns, so we shall see. But until then, we'll talk to you. Adios.